0: When we start to project ahead how individual Chicago Bears players will perform in 2023, not only can we get a better sense of the strengths and weaknesses of this team, but also some of the different dynamics that could play out in 2023. You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And make sure you hit that subscribe button on the Locked On Bears YouTube channel to keep up with all of our video podcasts as well. Thanks for making Locked On Bears your first listen today. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of the NFL. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get started today. On the show today, we look at some projections for the Chicago Bears in 2023, specifically individual player projections, some stat calculations on where Justin Fields will perform this season, Khalil Herbert, every individual contributor on this Bears offense and defense via our friends at ESPN Fantasy. And I kind of want to use those not as, you know, the end-all be-all prediction of what's going to happen this season, but more so a benchmark that we can look at from an over-under perspective. Do we think the players will do better or worse than that? And some of the different dynamics that might come into play with projecting how players do this year compared to what we've seen from previous years and how to project how much better things will be when there are so many unknowns. The source here is from Mike Clay of ESPN. He's one of their fantasy football writers and analysts. He kind of like launched... Pro Football Focus's fantasy uh, wing back in the day before he made the jump over to ESPN. And every year for ESPN, Mike Clay does calculated projections of how every player or every at least every contributing player will do for their team. For fantasy purposes, now fortunately for us, that includes quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, but then also individual defensive players for that style of fantasy football. It's basically you know any st- any player that can produce a stats that we measure in traditional box scores. Mike Clay projects those for ESPN for fantasy purposes. And just last week, he put out his updated projections for the 2023 season. And it's a great look at what we could expect, or maybe even an outsider's perspective on what is expected of this Bears team this season. I want to start with Justin Fields' projections for this season by Mike Clay of ESPN. Obviously, a big step forward from last year in terms of the passing game. That's sort of universally expected that he's going to be better. It's just a question of how much better. And Mike Clay currently has Justin Fields projected at just under 3200 passing yards, 3193 with 22 interceptions or t- 22 touchdowns and 12 interceptions. So again, 3200, 22 and 12 is roughly the ratio there for Fields. It's worth noting that in this projection, he has Fields playing 15 games. That's pretty much the standard for most players in these projections that they just calculate in that most players are going to at least miss one or two games on average due to injury in the modern NFL. And so there's two games of P.J. Walker passing projected in there as well. But with the 3,200 yards passing, the 22 passing touchdowns and 12 interceptions, you also have another 912 rushing yards and six rushing touchdowns for Fields, I believe based on Clay's projections that made him like a top six or so fantasy football quarterback when you combined rushing and passing yards and touchdowns. But in terms of the Bears offense as a whole, I believe that total for passing would be 31st in the NFL in passing yards, just ahead of the Colts, who he has with fewer passing yards and just behind uh, the Atlanta Falcons, who he has with just slightly more passing yards. So still expecting a close to the bottom of the NFL projection in total passing yards, I should say, specifically for this Bears offense. And yet, if Justin Fields threw for that exact projection, right, the 3,193 yards, that would be tied for the seventh best individual passing season in terms of passing yards in Chicago Bears history. It's tied down to the very yard for Rex Grossman in 2006, his season that year. He also threw for exactly... 3,193 yards, which which was and still is seventh highest in any single season in Chicago Bears history. So, like, yes, we all want and hope for Justin Fields to be better than second to last in terms of quarterback passing yards, I believe, among starters in these projections. But at the same time, it's a thousand more yards than he passed for last season in the same number of games. 15 games is what he's projected for this year, 15 games is what he projected last year. So, it's very clearly. A step forward in terms of the passing game, but it's not the Jalen Hurts going to win MVP level step forward, but it is a very key step forward in this passing game. And seems to me feels like maybe I mean, it feels to me like fairly middle of the pack in terms of projections, right? Like I think you could probably. Maybe slightly on the lower end, but I think the more pessimistic people will say he struggles to hit 3,000 yards because he's just not good as a passer is kind of the narrative there. And that the high end pro- 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 projection would be like closer to 4,000 yards. So maybe it's a little bit on the lower end at 32, but I you know, I think pretty reasonably like 33, 34, 3,500 yards seems to be about... About right, about middle, you know, the the Goldilocks here, like this one's too hot, this one's too cold, this one's just right. Like this this one might be a little bit too cold for me. I would project a little bit more in terms of the passing yards here, but, you know, it kind of depends on the offense as a whole, right? This would still be, with Justin Fields leading the way with 912 rushing yards, still the second leading rushing offense under Mike Clay's projections for this season. It's still going to be a team that runs the ball more heavily than they pass the ball. This, this, this projects with more total rushing attempts than passing attempts over the course of the season and being very good at running the ball. And so it's, again, a reminder, too, that the box score of how many of Justin Fields' completion percentage, passing yards, touchdowns, and interceptions might not be the best measurement of how successful his season is, right? These, these box score stats capture something. They capture many important things. But it's not always a purely great reflection reflection of him based on what he's being asked to do And how we sort of track those things for the quarterback position compared to other quarterbacks that might be in a more traditional pass happy situation in a more, you know, stable passing offense in that way. I think these projections from Mike Clay show improvement that we want to see, but I think more important will be what we see with our eyes, right? And what we see that's not measured as much in the box score as far as. His development as a quarterback, how well he's seeing the field, how quickly he's making decisions, how smart he is being with the ball. And that's going to be more important than exactly what the passing yards and passing touchdowns number is. I think it gets interesting when you try and sparse out like these These projections always add up, right? So if Justin Fields is throwing for 3,200 passing yards, then that's exactly 3,200 or 3,193. That has to then be split to the T between all of the receivers running back to tight ends that are catching the ball, plus, you know, some different interesting numbers in the running game there as well. So we'll look at some of the other offensive playmakers and their projections for 2023 before we turn our attention to this Bears defense next on Locked on Bears. The Lockdown Bears podcast is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Certainly baseball season is in full swing and there's no better way to get in on that action than with FanDuel, but you can also look ahead to football season and bet on what's going to happen this upcoming year. Right now, new customers to FanDuel will get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 right back to you in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. You just have to go to fanduel.com slash locked on to join today. So whether you want to bet Justin Fields' production this season, his MVP odds, whether the Bears win or lose week one, there's odds for Bears Packers already, and where the Bears finish in the NFC North, plus, of course, baseball season in the thick of things. So many different ways to play at FanDuel, and you really got nothing to lose with your first bet thanks to their no-sweat first bet. It's up to $1,000 back to you when you join FanDuel today. Just go to fanduel.com slash Locked on to sign up. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball and the NFL. So we've got over 4,000 total yards from Justin Fields in ESPN Mike Clay's fantasy projections here 3,200 passing yards plus 900 rushing yards. Puts him as a 4,000 yard season just passing and rushing combined, which again makes him one of the most best fantasy quarterbacks, which is the main original intent of these projections from Clay. But when you start to split out those 3200 passing yards among the receivers, it gets interesting to kind of find the the different dynamics there. And also the way that this backfield is really split running back by committee, I think speaks to the tight competition we're going to see between Herbert and Dante Foreman and even Roshan Johnson in there and how we may not see one total, you know, complete lead dog in this Bears backfield. That for, if we start in the running game for example, He's got Khalil Herbert leading the way with 670 yards and five touchdowns, but Dante Foreman right behind him at 543 yards and four touchdowns. So what is that? About a 100 and just under 130 yards separating the two of them. Certainly a a very similar number of carries, about 15 more carries for Herbert over the course of the season, but really sort of projecting here, both guys are going to get, fairly even run with Herbert as the favorite right now, Herbert as the number one back at the moment. And so he would be the guy to lead the way, but right. It's, it's not, I mean, assuming those guys are healthy enough, which these projections are for 14 games each, meaning, you know, you miss three ish games over the course of the season due to injuries. As long as both guys are healthy, neither one is likely to just take over and be the sole lead dominant running back in in this, in this competition here, right? Like you're not going to see one guy get, all the yards to be 1,200 yards, and the other guy be really, you know, at the bottom of the barrel. You think back to last season with Montgomery and Herbert. Last year, David Montgomery had 801 yards. Khalil Herbert had 731, and certainly Montgomery had quite a few more carries than Herbert in that. But regardless, like the production was was pretty close between your number one and number two running back, with both guys dealing with little bits of injuries here and there. So this is clearly a step back from that in terms of the rushing game, in terms of the production from your top two running backs, both of them seeing a drop compared to what they had last season and what the Bears had last season. And I would think that the Bears might be able to rush for more yards than what he's got here for them, that it is a, a little bit of a lower number for all those running backs and a lower number for Justin Fields, that across the board, the Bears won't run the ball as productively. And yes, they did lead the NFL in rushing last season, and it's hard to predict... And maintain It's hard to maintain number one rushing in the NFL each season. Again, I said he's got the Bears as the second leading rushing team in his projections, and it's pretty hard for teams to do that back-to-back years. And so you're not going to necessarily project that they're going to do this. It's sort of like odds and probability, like what is the likelihood that they reach these kind of numbers? I do think still you should see Herbert with more yards, Foreman with more yards, and possibly Fields with more yards rushing in there as well. Receiving is interesting, too, because Fields obviously taking a step forward in terms of passing yards to get to 3,200 yards there. But when you start to split that among, you know, your big three receivers, DJ Moore, Darnell Mooney, Chase Claypool, plus maybe, you know, Equinemius St. Brown and some other receivers farther down there. And then your tight ends as well, Cole Clement and Robert Tanyan, 3,200 yards goes fast among those players. And I guess, first of all, where I'll disagree right away with Clay's projections is he's got Robert Tanyan with just 12 catches for 98 yards and one touchdown in 15 games. I I think that's a... Calculation thing where number two tight ends just if you look at the number two tight end in the offense last year they didn't do much but Tanya's going to come in and I think produce quite a bit more than twelve catches for basically a hundred yards. Comet at fifty four catches for five hundred seventy eight yards. That's about where he's been in his career you know hovering around that six hundred yard sixty catch mark. I I'm, don't have any great uh, objections to that, but I think a lot more yards to Robert Tanya in there. I say, you know, at least a two, three hundred yards, at least, and, and more touchdowns being a potential red zone weapon for them there. At receiver, though, DJ Moore, just short of a thousand yards at 925 yards and seven touchdowns. Feels like a guy that should be a thousand yard receiver, but again, that would be a full third of Justin Field's passing yards. So you sort of have to start there of like, okay, how many yards is Field's going to have? That's all the pie you have to split up between these receivers. So, I can see that being, if field is at 3,200 yards, then more at 925 is still a pretty, is a really darn good season for him, even though it's not the quote unquote thousand yard wide receiver that we might want from, from the, the trade. And then the guy coming in to be the number one Mooney at about 700 yards, 696 yards on 55 catches as a number two receiver. Like, again, it feels like Mooney is better than that, but if you're only splitting 30, 20 yards, so many ways, and you're leading guys at 925, I mean, you put You put Mooney at 700, and that right now, but those two wide receivers represent 50% of the passing yards from Justin Fields in this projection. That's not including the tight ends, the running backs, or the other wide receivers, including Chase Claypool, who's at just under 600 yards at 593 on 45 catches. So, like, all three of your top receivers, over 500 yards, over four touchdowns, and it's just a matter of, like, 600, 700, 925. It's kind of building your way up from Claypool to Mooney to more. It doesn't feel like... Numbers that reflect the quality of what that wide receiving core feels like it could be with more Mooney and Claypool compared to what Fields was working with last year. But again, I don't know that the box score numbers of these receivers and their projections and certainly, you know, the fantasy stats of of these receivers and their projection is going to be the best way to measure how good of a season that they have. Because you feel like if Claypool only has 500, 600 yards, you're like, ah, that seems like a little bit of a disappointment but he's also the number three wide receiver in an offense that's not going to be one of the most prolific passing offenses in the NFL. So maybe, well, the the number might be disappointing on the surface. Like what's more important is just, does Chase Claypool look good? Does he look like he belongs? Does he look like the guy we thought he looked like, you know, early in his Steelers career? Does he look like a guy who should get a second contract, a guy you're willing to pay? Like it's, it's going to be more about the eye test for him. Same, same with Mooney, who's entering the final year of his deal, right? Does he look like a number two wide receiver who could be a number one wide receiver down the line. Like, does he, does he look like a dynamic playmaker? Is he producing consistently making the plays when they need him to, as opposed to like volume, right? These are volume stats over the course of a year. To me, it's less important what they hit in terms of volume and more about like efficiency and, and the big moments, the big times, right? It's third down and it's, it's Claypool able to, to make the play on third down on the him 2 Is Mooney able to make that play? Is DJ Moore that reliable go-to option over the course of a season for fields? Is Komet growing in his role and trying to be more of a difference maker at the tight end spot? And same with the running backs out of the backfield. The volume, less important than sort of the eye test, but just the, the moments, the spots that matter more individually throughout the course of the season. Are they contributing to winning games? Is the wide receiver position holding fields back? Or I guess, are the pass catchers holding fields back. You know, if those are if those things are satisfied and you're winning games, then it doesn't matter too much to me what exactly those raw box score numbers end up looking like for those guys because it's not this we're not using the same measuring stick for this Bears offense as we might for a lot of other Bears offenses be, or a lot of other NFL offenses because of the dynamic playmaking that Justin Fields offers with his legs that changes the equation for how this offense will score points and win games. It's a different a different measuring stick than, you know, a team like, you know, the Bengals with Joe Burrow or even, you know, Patrick Mahomes at times. He does, just doesn't rush for as much as fields. It doesn't change as much of the dynamic of the offense. It's more like what we see with Lamar Jackson and a, and a little bit so with Jalen Hurt to a lesser extent. I think it's a little bit more straightforward with this Bears defense that, while this Bears defense has some real question marks on it. You're not necessarily, you know, you don't have the the field sort of explanation for why box score stats won't matter as much there. They certainly won't fully capture what this defense is able to do, but I think we can learn some interesting things about particularly this Bears pass rush and this Bears secondary by looking at what these stats project from ESPN's Mike Clay next on Locked on Bears. Projecting individual defensive player stats to me seems incredibly difficult, and I I certainly give... ESPN's Mike Clay, all the kudos in the world for going through this process with all 32 teams. And it's worth noting, I mean, he's one guy. I'm sure he's probably got people that help him with it. But, like, there's always going to be things that, you know, you can always add more time to it, more context to it and make mistakes. And you know, these are not perfect projections. And we're certainly, you know, we're not accepting them as perfect projections. And we're here to to critique and look at where they're well and where, they're, where we disagree and where we might think over and where we might think under in terms of what the projections say. And defense gets... It's interesting here because of all the questions on what this Bears defensive line is going to look like and all the youth really across this Bear secondary not named Eddie Jackson. But I was particularly interested by this defensive numbers when it comes to the sack numbers, which, again, is not the best way of fully measuring an individual player's pass rushing ability. It is one way of measuring their success as a pass rusher. But, you know, like if you look at the snaps versus the sacks, right, he's got... He's got um, Justin Jones with four sacks. He's got Demarcus Walker with four sacks. He's got Travis Gibson with basically six sacks. He's got Dominic Robinson with five sacks and Rasheem Green with five sacks. It's really evenly distributed and split around really five main players there. And a couple things that stand out about this is one, when you see the actual projections, he calculates stat sacks down to the decimal place. And, and that's just a... A rounding sort of thing. So, right, he has Demarcus Walker with 4.2 sacks and Travis Gibson with 5.7 sacks. And we know there are half sacks in the NFL, but there are not fractions beyond a half sack. And, I, and that's where this thing gets, that's where these numbers come in. They're just not rounded, essentially, because, you know, because if you look at a guy and he's gotten seven and a half sacks and five and a half sacks, you try and do a calculation to then average those out over time. It won't always be a nice clean zero or a five on the decimal point. So that's how you get some of these different numbers. Like he has the bears splitting, you know, a total of 37 sacks, but it, And those decimal points add up, right? He, he, he calculates how many sacks the defense will have, and then splits that among the players based in part by what the players are able to produce there. So that's why there's some decimal places in there that might give you a question mark. But the other thing too, is like, when you think about sacks as the measurement of pass rush, You know, he's got Justin Jones playing 704 snaps this season, not all pass rushing snaps, but snaps and getting four sacks on those 704 snaps. And I don't know that those four plays are going to be the best measurement of what Justin Jones does as a pass rusher, because there's going to be all those other pass rushing plays where he gets a quarterback hit, but not a sack, where he hurries the quarterback, but doesn't get a sack or a hit or plays where he either beats his man and and. Forces the quarterback to get rid of the ball sooner without actually hurting him, or takes the attention away from, you know, draws a double team and takes attention away from other pass rushers who can then get to the quarterback, and that's valuable in any individual player's pass rush. So sacks is not the the perfect example here. I, I believe he has the Bears with the fewest sacks of any team in the NFL, though. But I also think as you look at these projections, there's a few a few things to stand out. One, like last year, Jaquan Brisker led the Bears in sacks, so it shouldn't be a too surprise, too big of a surprise that. You come in with probably low projections based on recent history for how this Bears team will do from a pass rushing standpoint. There's not a lot of proven, consistent pass rushing talent on this team that has been consistently productive over recent years. Also, he has Demarcus Walker playing primarily interior defensive tackle snaps as sort of the third defensive tackle, the 455 snaps. That is what he did more in Tennessee. And I think that's why you see that projection here. But Demarcus Walker is going to play primarily edge rusher. That's what he's been doing at OTAs and minicamp. He will kick inside sometimes, but really going to be primarily an edge rusher. So I think you kind of move him into the edge rusher category and take some of his, add to his snap total by taking some, especially from Dominic Robinson and Rasheem Green, right? I don't think you're going to see Gibson and Robinson as, both being pretty close in snaps this season at defensive end at 670 and 650. Like, I think Green and Robinson will play significantly less than the snaps they have projected here, and most of those will go to DeMarcus Walker on the edge. And so I think you take a couple of sacks away from Robinson and Green on these projections, add them to DeMarcus Walker's projections, and I think that starts to even out a bit closer to what we're expecting from that group. It's still not a great sack total, and there's still time for the Bears to add to that pass rushing group, but I think it matches with I think what the perception is of this being an inexperienced, unproductive defensive line for the most part. And guys will need to, if the Bears are going to have a really effective pass rush this season, guys are going to need need to play better than we expect them to. Like the stats that Mike Clay projects here is what we expect them to do. And if they if the Bears are going to have a good pass rusher, these guys are going to need to exceed expectations because they just have not been consistently productive proven pass rushers in the NFL. And so they need to exceed what they've done before. But these projections are always going to be based on what they've done before. And so that's why it comes in at a particularly low number there. I also think the secondary is an interesting uh, calculation here in terms of the interceptions, right? Eddie Jackson with three, Jaquan Brisker with one sounds pretty normal to me. And then you get to the cornerbacks, basically has Jalen Johnson with two, Kyler Gordon with one, Tyreek Stevenson with one as your top three cornerbacks there. Jalen Johnson has one career interception in his Bears career. It's, a, it's not necessarily like his game, right? He's never been the big time ball skills type quarterback. He's more the one-on-one lock you up, shut you down kind of guy, press man on the outside with, you know, certainly with other skills too, but like more known for physicality with the receiver than particularly attacking the ball in the air. Whereas comparatively, Kyler Gordon finished with three interceptions last season. They kind of came towards the end there down the stretch, but he's got a little bit more of the ball skills type of, Skill set. So I would, I would expect Jalen Johnson to be closer to one sack and Kyler Gordon to be or one sack interception. Jalen Johnson be closer to one interception. Kyler Gordon be a little bit closer to three in that regard, just given that's what he had last season. And then, yeah, Stevenson could maybe get one or so there. Like I, that seems to be about right. Still only 13 interceptions as a whole for this bears secondary seems a little bit low to me because I, as I look back to last year, I believe they had 14 as a whole, and that was with, you know, a couple of games of Roquan Smith, but then he him being gone, that was with Nick Morrow at linebacker. That was with uh, DeAndre Houston, Carson having to start some games at safety with Eddie Jackson dealing with injuries there. Jalen Johnson missed six games. Uh, Eddie Jackson missed five, I think. Even Kyler Gordon missed three games. Like yes, these projections of Mike Clay include some missed games in terms of snap totals there, but I, I would expect a little more than than 13 interceptions to be within reach for this secondary. I can see where the argument might be made, well, if the pass rush isn't very good, it's going to limit the opportunities for those guys to get interceptions. And, I, and that's a fair point. I also think the pass rush wasn't very good last season either. So I would expect them to at least get another 14, if not a couple more, because of the improvements in the secondary and the improvements at linebacker. And just, I think, some more different bodies at pass rush. I think you could make the case that the Bears should be a better pass rush this season. It's not going to be. A, it's not going to be a great pass rush as it stands. But once you took Robert Quinn out of the equation last year, I mean, this pass rush was was fairly abysmal for a lot of that season. And I think just given Walker and Green, and then the, the draft picks on the defensive tackle spots, not that they're going to be some vastly improved position, but it does feel like there should be some improvement from that defensive line. And that's where I think the projections could use a little bit of bumping up there and, and perhaps rearranging based on snap counts for where DeMarcus Walker is going to play. And I think a little less for green and Robinson comparatively. And even Gibson is a little high there. I don't know that we can trust Travis Gibson to be a, a six or seven sack type guy just yet. Cause he only had three last season. He would have seven, two years ago, but had seven when he had, you know, Cleo Mack on the opposite side from him and had Robert Quinn also in the mix there. And some, some better interior defensive players too. I just don't know that, it's reasonable to expect that just yet. But again, these guys need to meet, need to exceed expectations on this defensive line. And this was just a measurement of what expectations might be. I like that as a baseline for this. It's like same thing with fields is 3,200 passing yards. Like that, that's a good expectation. We should hope he hits 3,200 passing yards and we should hope that, that, you know, those, those defensive linemen can hit their four or five stack numbers. We should then want them to do better but like, we can set expectations where Mike Clay has his projections there and then aim for even higher. I'd be curious to, think, curious to hear what you think the Bears' projection should be for their individual players. How many yards do you think Justin Fields is going to throw and run for this season? How many receiving yards do you think DJ Moore is going to have? How many rushing yards are all these Bears running backs going to have? And certainly on defense, how many interceptions, how many sacks, how many tackles? What are you expecting from your Bears players? Let us know in the comments here in the Lockdown Bears YouTube channel. You can tweet us at... Locked on Bears, or you can post in the Locked on Bears Facebook group to keep the conversation going there as well. However you do it, just make sure you hit that subscribe button on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. That's going to be the best way to keep up with all of our daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. Thank you for making Locked on Bears your first listen today. We're part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day, although we're in the we're in our slow part of the offseason where we're down to just 3 days a week instead of 5. Monday, Wednesday, Friday is kind of the schedule we've been operating on right now and we'll keep that mostly intact until we get a little closer to training camp like mid-July and we'll ramp right back up to a full 5 days a week of the podcast. We'll get you all ready for training camp with training camp previews coming up right around the corner. Get working on some extra special things in and around training camp this year as well that can't give too many details away yet, but we're working on some some things trying to get some some different different nuggets for you here on the podcast so make sure you keep tuning in for all of that and of course you have to tune in for your next opportunity to bear down